do design decisions involve value judgments? Andy Halliwell has gone and posted this question on LinkedIn as part of our redesigning D&T project and debates. I think this is a really tricky one to answer and our expert group felt that it was an important question that needed debating. Do design decisions involve value judgments? I think firstly, I'd be saying, what do you mean by a value judgment, a values judgment? And maybe in your response to Andy's question, you'll explore what you understand and what your views are of what value judgments are and then whether they actually impinge on or affect the design decisions that designers make and also that children make in D&T lessons. So do join the debate. We're always open to conversation and discussion on this. But for now, on to the next episode. This is the Talking D&T podcast, episode 14. Welcome to the Talking D&T podcast with me, Alison Hardy, a podcast for anybody interested in design and technology education, where I'll be sharing news, views, ideas and opinions about D&T. In this episode, I want to talk about knowledge and a particular form of knowledge that Christine Council talks about and defines as substantive knowledge. Now I'm going to put a link in the show notes to Christine Council's article that she's written for the Impact Journal. But here I just want to talk about substantive knowledge and within her definition, a particular aspect of it. So first of all, here's her definition. Substantive knowledge is the content that teachers teach as established fact, whether common convention, concept or warranted account of reality treating the material presented as given. Now, I introduced this idea to our students a few weeks ago and we started to explore what substantive knowledge was and looked like and what form it was in design and technology. Now, there are lots of different ways that we can hear about defining and describing knowledge and that's not really up for grabs or discussion here. I'm going to focus very much on this one thing about substantive knowledge. So when I discussed this with the students, one of them piped up with draft angles and vacuum forming. She'd obviously been teaching that in her lessons recently and was aware about the idea of putting a draft angle on the form so that the plastic could be removed easily from the shape. So that's just a very quick overview of vacuum forming if you're not familiar with that. So we started to explore whether that was a fact, an established fact, or whether it was actually a warranted account of reality. Because I started to talk about the fact that I'd done vacuum forming and we hadn't put a draft angle on the side of the form. In fact, we hadn't even talked about draft angles. We'd actually just used card and layered it up. We hadn't thought about cutting the card so it had an angle so we could remove it. So we started to say, so is it true that every vacuum forming mould must have a draft angle on it? And so this conversation led us to the point that it doesn't because we might have a split mould where we can remove one part of the mould to allow the rest of the mould to be released from the vacuum form shape. And those sides might be vertical at 90 degrees. Or it might be that, for example, that we're vacuum forming with a very thin material that might be 0.25 or 0.5 mil thick. So there's some more flexibility in that plastic than there is in a plastic which might be three, five or seven mil in thickness. So actually, this idea of a draft angle is useful, but it's not necessarily fixed in stone. 
So then we moved on to exploring the idea of when do we introduce draft angles or different parts of knowledge that might be around vacuum forming to children when we're teaching them about using it. And that's where we started to focus on this one section of Christine Council's definition. That substantive knowledge is the content that teachers teach as established fact as a warranted account of reality. And what we came to the conclusion was at that point was that draft angles are an account of reality for vacuum forming in some situations. But in other situations with different types of materials, different depths of mould, then draft angles are unnecessary. So we cannot say that every mould in vacuum forming has to have a draft angle. So you might be listening to this and going, so what's the point in that, Alison? Why do we need to think about or unpick these different aspects of vacuum forming? But what it got me onto thinking about was more about how do we plan in lessons or how do teachers plan in their lessons? Do they plan consciously for these different warranted accounts of reality about specific processes, materials or approaches to designing and making things? Draft angles and vacuum forming is just a small part of the substantive knowledge that is taught in design and technology. And just in one session, we unpicked that to the point that the students started to realise that we might introduce the idea of draft angles, not when we first do vacuum forming, but later on. Or we might introduce it later on as an established fact. And then later on, as the children progress through the school, we do vacuum forming again with a different thickness of material for a different purpose that we say, well, what we told you then was true for then, but now it's not true for this situation. And what we began to realise, and what I began to consider more after the session, was that is part of a teacher's planning to consciously think about developing a child's design and technology capability. Now, I've talked about design and technology capability in another podcast, but it did make me think about how does a teacher unpick this substantive knowledge in design and technology and think about where and when it is deliberately taught or not in a long-term plan in a school which might last between two to five years that over that time by structuring the introduction and development of these warranted accounts of knowledge or reality that are appropriate to designing and making in design and technology that we are then consciously planning for the development of the child's design and technology capability so that they are understanding that there is a complexity to working with these different processes and materials that they have to be able to adapt and develop and think about as they design and then develop their own original ideas into a fully functioning prototype. So I suppose my questions are around, what are the warranted accounts of reality in design and technology? Do you think about them? Do you consciously think about, well, that's true for this activity, but later on when I revisit using the sewing machine or working with flour or thinking about how we might approach and create new ideas? That's the truth now, but when I revisit it next year, next term, two years down the line, I'm going to talk about it in a different way and I need to do that with an awareness in my lesson planning. Do we do that or do we just assume? So if you do know and are aware of different different accounts of reality that you plan for in your lessons, I'm really interested to hear about that and how you think about 
and explore that with your within your departments and are you very deliberate about whether you talk to the children about that about this is true here but it's not true in this situation so that you'll start introducing them to those complex decision making those design decisions that they're going to have to make as they develop in design and technology so we had a lot of fun exploring this idea about draft angles and vacuum forming and I could see them and us, me, we were thinking backwards and forwards about, well, what does this mean and how do we think about that? And do we have to think about this all the time? And my response is no. But I do enjoy unpicking some of these substantive pieces of knowledge in design and technology and thinking about, well, if we stand there, is it different? Or if we stand here, is it different? And how do we plan for that and use that those differences in design and technology? Maybe that's just me, but that's how I like to sometimes think about substantive knowledge in design and technology. So this session with the students was quite timely because as I've spoken about previously, I've got a number of podcasts coming out over the next couple of months that are all about what the forms of knowledge are in design and technology or what some of the forms of knowledge are in design and technology. So hopefully over these next few podcasts and the next couple of months, you'll start to be challenged or agree or disagree with what we're discussing about forms of knowledge in design and technology. Next week's podcast is Eddie Norman talking about what designers know and therefore what knowledge is from a designer's perspective. I hope you enjoy that and as ever you can contact me with your ideas about warranted accounts of reality in design and technology. You can find me on Twitter at Hardy underscore Allison or via my website alisonhardy.work. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Talking DT podcast with me, Alison Hardy. You can connect with me on Twitter at Hardy underscore Alison. Show notes and transcripts for each podcast episode can be found on my website, alisonhardy.work. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.